If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. Limbit Opic on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Greetings, four minutes past seven in the morning in the UK, four minutes past seven in the evening in Brisbane, I'm told, and one hour earlier in Sydney and Melbourne. Wherever you are in the world, you're welcome to TNT Radio, the home of free speech, where we share facts as best we can establish them, express opinions, and clearly expressed as such, and invite you to do one thing. Think for yourself, draw your own conclusions, decide who you agree with, and please take the opportunity to share those views with us at TNT Radio. Many ways to do it. Uh, the two easiest ones are go to tntradio.live. Very easy website to find. Very easy website to navigate. Find the chat. Put your views in there. I'll read just a couple out in a moment. Uh, or you can phone in. And as long as we've got time, I'll be very happy to get you live on air here on Lembitopic Show on TNT Radio. I'm here every morning in UK terms from 6 till 8 a.m. every evening in Sydney uh, terms, oh, sorry, Brisbane terms, uh, well, the same times, but in the evening uh, and all points in between. Now, coming up in this hour, we've got Gemma Cooper again with her unique take on what's happening around the world, uh, followed by Ivailo Yordanov, a lawyer and member of the ruling party in Bulgaria. Why does this matter? Because it's an insight into the development of a country which was formerly in the Soviet Union, now in the European Union. Uh, they've just had a mayoral election in Sofia, their capital. We're going to find out what that really means. What does politics look like in one of those countries in Central or Eastern Europe? Uh, then Alan Cook will join us about climate fundamentalism. He joins us from the UK. And then we've got Vince Maple, who's going to talk about Labour and some rather interesting uh, proposal that uh, they put forward about a fiscal lock amendment what does that mean it's actually rather interesting because it's a political gambit by labor party in the uk all of that coming up with me in this hour uh, lots going on in the chat uh just a couple of comments here jeff Lou says uh, mary costa kitis is not only intelligent and articulate but she used to be uh let me, I can't read all of that. Well, I was choosing not to, Jethro. I had a total thing for Mary. Sorry, I didn't realize quite how direct you're going to be in that one, Jethro. If you want to see what Jethro said about Mary, it is very complimentary, uh, I think, unless you're very woke. Uh, go to the chat, you'll find that. And then uh, 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 Anto says, talking of hot, check out Lembit's first wife. I've never actually married, but I see what you mean there. Thanks very much indeed. But what I suppose is probably a compliment. Keep your calls and comments uh, coming. Uh, I'm uh, not easily offended, but very easily flattered. Thanks for that. I just want to comment about one subject before we go to uh, Gemma Cooper. Uh, ACMA censorship legislation stopped for now, but will it come back in a form that's even more restrictive? For those not in the know, uh, this is something which uh, Australia has been grappling with. Uh, it's a essentially a form of censorship, potentially. Uh, the ACMA is the Australian Communications and Media Authority, and the legislation essentially gives the, uh, the the authority the opportunity to censor things which are regarded as unacceptable. Now, what does unacceptable mean? Well, that's where the opinions get tricky. Those, The list of those exempt from this legislation are, number one, the government, number two, the favoured media, uh, and that basically means if you go against the the establishment culture you could get censored is this possible oh yes britain has just passed something quite similar called the online safety act i think that's more or less what it's called and it's meant to protect young people from bad content 
But boy, the connotations, the implications are almost unimaginably censoring. The government, any government in the UK could use it just to shut up the competition, the opposition, the enemies of the state as they see them. Well, so therefore, don't be complacent about this one. I'm sure we'll try and get somebody on to talk about this either later on this week or next week, uh, because censorship is the anathema to TNT Radio. It's the exact opposite of what we exist to promote. I wonder what you think. Maybe you feel that one can become paranoid with regard to these things. Maybe you feel that it's good to have some sort of censorship against outrageous thoughts. Or, like Elon Musk and Lembitopic, do you feel that true freedom of speech means letting people you don't like saying say things that you don't like? You be the judge of that. Certainly in TNT Radio, we will share facts as best we can and opinions without fear or favour. And we will share opinions that you put onto the chat, even if we don't necessarily like them. All of that with me, Lebitopic, here on TNT Radio. Your home for the news. They do a great job of breaking down the big story. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. In terms of my first uh, alleged wife there, Holly says, uh, steady on, Anton. Anton has very helpfully put a gif in. Uh, well, okay, yes, indeed, that is a former relationship of mine. Once again, not time to explain what we're talking about here. You'll find all this on the chat. It's edifying if you're interested in my personal life. But somebody who's going to give you much more edification in terms of world politics and British politics, it's Gemma Cooper. Good morning, Gemma, again. I don't know, Lembic. Shall we shall we talk about your personal life? It's quite colourful. It's quite entertaining. <laughs> it was quite entertaining at one point here in the British tabloids, wasn't it? I mean, it's Wednesday. Let's give people a bit of, you know, a bit of gossip for the week. I'm only kidding, obviously. Your private just, life is your Just own. Google, just just put in the so in the net, net in the search engine cheeky cheeky Lembitopic. You'll find exactly what Gemma means, exactly what Anto's going on about on about Aunt Holly. Uh, perhaps we should do a whole show about it. Maybe we can even get her on, <laughs> perhaps, who knows? <laughs> then we get an insight into Romanian politics too. If I speak in riddles, it's only because I don't want to go into it just now. But I will do it at some point, Gemma. Thanks for knowing all about my past. Oh, dear. The memories. The memories. <laughs> Is that <laughs> well, all you want to talk about? <laughs> my well, failed relationships. You know, <laughs> no, well, you, you, I think you had a good time at the time. You know, it, we've all got a past. It wasn't a failed relationship. She's a great woman, and I think highly of her to this day. Uh, how many people only have one relationship in their whole lives? But uh, it certainly propelled me into the celebrity world, quite unwittingly, to be honest with you. Uh, but there we go. Perhaps it's less. Perhaps it's more important than what you were going to talk about, Gemma. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's everything in life is objective, isn't it? But I, I don't think it's more important than the, the subjects I'm about to bring to the table, because it echoes what you and Dr. Jessica Rose were talking about you know, just earlier on the show, and that's a vaccine damage. And this story has the potential, to, to I think, to, for us to see a lot more vaccine damage here in the UK. Um, yesterday, the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation, the JCVI, met uh, and decided, or they recommended, that uh, chickenpox vaccines should now be given for young people. Well, they, they say young people, they're talking about babies. Um, basically, they're, they're, they're saying that the jab should be given to children in two doses, one when they're 12 months old, one when they're 18 months old, and then the potential for another catch-up jab uh, when they're six and 11. Now, the reasons they're doing this is they're saying that chickenpox, you know, is, a, is the, one of the most common childhood illnesses. I'm sure you had it. I certainly remember having it. I remember lots of kids at school having it. Um, and they're saying because of lockdown and restrictions, uh, kids aren't weren't mixing and therefore cases of chickenpox 
are down um, and they want to immunize against it. They've held off so far. It, funnily enough, this, the jab for chickenpox is available um, widely in America and Australia. In the UK, it's only available privately, but they want to roll it out onto the NHS. And health bosses are saying they want to make chickenpox a thing of the past which is a quite a strange thing because it's not a particularly serious illness for children. And there's a whole school of thought that says you need it to protect you against shingles when you're an adult, which is a very serious condition, can be a very serious condition. Uh, they want to combine the um, live vaccine of chickenpox with the MMR, which is obviously a hugely controversial subject, the MMR, and it's a potential links to autism. Um, and they they want to roll it out. I mean, they want to give it to babies. And given what we we just heard you talking about with Dr. Jessica Rose and this this relentless um, push for if there's anything particularly wrong with you at all or potential to be, have something wrong with you, it's a jab. It's a jab. It's another jab. It's a pill. Mm. There's no kind of suggestion that the body knows what it's doing and the body's got a, a wisdom. I mean, do you remember chicken pox parties when we were yeah. younger? You know, they yeah. wanted to get all the kids to have it at the same time and then they'd have it and then that would be it. And you would never get chicken pox again and you'd be protected later on. But no, no, in its wisdom, government scientists have met yesterday and said, no, let's stick a needle in a baby. That's far more a better way of approaching human health. So, it's yeah. It's incredible to me. I saw this story and I thought, there's no way, my kids are past that age now, there's no way that I would let my children have a jab, even if it meant I was fined, even if I went to prison, I wouldn't do it because I think it's an invasion of what Jethro wrote very rightly, very insightfully called a sealed unit, namely our bodies. Both my children had chicken pox and I'm glad they did because it's logical from what you're saying, Gemma, that if you start jabbing at that age for things which you get and recover from and get your natural immunity from, then you're going to jab for everything. And what does that do to our ability to solve our problems naturally. Well, exactly. And it's this, it's a war on the human body, which mm. is an incredibly intelligent instrument. And as Jethro Wright says, it's a sealed unit. Uh, I mean, created by the creator, whatever you want to call the creator, you know, God, the universe, whatever, you know, we're in with the body's got infinite wisdom and more and more people are recognizing this and concerns have been raised by a parent support group called the Arnica Network. They were formed in 2007 here in the UK. It's a group of parents that were really concerned about vaccines. I mean, obviously at that point it was the MMR and all the controversy surrounding that. Um, and they've grown hugely. They, they started in 2007 as one group. And there's now a network all, all around the country. Uh, I think there's a few other groups have sprung up in other countries of this Arnica network. And they've said, look, we don't really understand what's going on here. Chickenpox is one of those childhood illnesses that have never, ever, ever caused serious complications. And there's yeah. never one case of, of chickenpox where you're like, oh, my God, the kid ended up in hospital. That's not happened. It is a natural part of childhood. It is something mm -hmm. that the body has to go through. And it's definitely that link to shingles later on. It, once mm -hmm. you've had chickenpox, your risk of getting shingles is far, far lower. And if adults need, they're saying adults need to be exposed to children with mm -hmm. chickenpox because that helps them with their immunity against shingles, even if they've already had it. So they're saying, what's going on here? This is not an illness that requires immunization this is something that is recoverable um whether or not their concerns will be listened to is another thing because obviously as we know the joint committee on vaccination and immunization here in the uk is a big big network of government scientists i find it interesting that this the, the chickenpox jab is available in in america and in australia and i wonder what the shingles rate is like in those countries but interestingly i also saw another headline this morning that says um, uptake of vaccines now childhood vaccines in america is at an all-time low 
So hopefully people are saying, no way, you're not coming near my kids. That's what, that's all we can hope. Yeah. Um, like you, Lembic parents just say, no way. I'd rather they had chicken pox and be done with it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even, I, I try to even avoid taking a headache pill because I'd rather have the headache and my body works it out. I got COVID. So I've got COVID immunity and I'm still stuffed full of these, naively, I have to admit, stuffed full of these vaccines, uh, thinking, well, it's harmless, but meaningless. Actually, it was harmful and meaningfully harmful. Uh, interestingly enough, I'm not sure if you know this, Gemma, but uh, Australia's Channel 10 is saying, oh, COVID, COVID, COVID. Uh, it's saying that masks and the boosters are all coming back in Australia. So perhaps what we're seeing here, Gemma, is this obsession with meddling with nature, which just anybody who's watched a lot of sci-fi films from America, including I Am Legend, uh, based on uh, uh, the Omega Man, uh, will know this isn't going to bode well for us at all. No, I completely agree. And But they can push it all they want. They can say booster, 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 mm -hmm. mask, 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 and we can go, no, thank you. You know, I think there's a huge groundswell of people that will be doing that now. And interesting, just to go back to what you said, you know, you, you don't want to take a pill for a headache. Absolutely right. If you've got a headache, your body's communicating with you. If, are you dehydrated? Are you tired? If you've got eye strain, you need to take a break from the screen. Your body yeah. is a wise instrument. It's always communicating with you. You know, that niggling pain that you might have in your mm. shoulder that's been lingering around for four years, that's maybe a trapped emotion that you need to release. There's all sorts of stuff. And I know, again, it sounds a little bit out there, but no, your body and your emotions and your mind, they're all the same thing. You know, the body mm. is the mind made manifest. And so we need to listen to it. We don't just stick needles in it. We need to listen to it. But of course, the powers that be, they want to shut us off from 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 listening to our own intuition. They want to just jab us, which is very very profitable. But I am very hopeful. Just seeing that headline that childhood vaccination uptake in America is at an all time low. You think yes, yes, come on everybody, push yeah. back. Yeah. Non compliance it doesn't have to be you know radical. It just has to be the simple word no. That's it. Thank you very uh, much, uh, but no. Let me just read you. There's quite a big debate, partly caused by Jethro sealed unit comment. Uh, let me just go through them. I haven't curated these, so some of it may be jumpy, but uh, that's because I'm broadcasting, if you if people haven't noticed. Uh, Mazzy says, um, oh, Mazzy's making a comment about my former relationship. Uh, there's there's some sort of a video here. Mazzy's not going to look at it because she says, I'd like to keep my breakfast inside. Thank you. Thanks for that word of, of, uh, of approval there, Mazzy. Jethro said, I had the chicken pox vaccine when I was a boy and I got the chicken pox three times. Well, there we go then. <laughs> After what you said about sealed units, Jethro, uh, you've actually caused uh, quite a lot of controversy there. Uh, uh, yes, Jethro says the vaccines don't work. Um, Ivan says, sounds familiar, another pharmaceutical invention. Jock says, the body isn't a sealed unit. It's a closed system which harnesses the life energy of the universe. Actually, that's quite a sophisticated definition, I think. Uh, I suppose that's what you agree with, Gemma. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really could you read that again? That's brilliant. Yeah, let me read it again. Jock's got it here. It's an ev evolution of Jethro's point. The body isn't a sealed unit. It's a closed system which harnesses the life energy of the universe. Oh, that's brilliant. That's, who said that? Sorry, on the chat. Jock, I had time to look Jock, at it. In the, in, uh, if that's your quote, Jock, it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's it's brilliant, even if it's not, but it's just a brilliant quote. Uh, Jethro says it's totally sealed, mate. You're not a pressurized filter bag. Hmm. And um, 
Morgan says, don't go near it. I don't have any young children now, but I wouldn't give it to them if I did. In the US, autism used to be one in 10,000. Now that babies have multiple jabs, I believe it's one in 86. Uh, okay, um, so there's a lot of debate there. Uh, one last thing, Jethro says, humans don't absorb nutrients and they don't buy, burn calories. Well, yes, they do harness the life force of the universe through induction. This has got really philosophical. Holly agrees with Gemma. I know when I need wine. And when I need spinach, that's a good common sense approach, Holly. <laughs> that's good, perhaps that's at good, the same yeah. time, <laughs> that's <laughs> very, good. very good. Um, and uh, drink a clock, as somebody I know <laughs> say. Jock says, uh, um, uh, "Oh, just before I go to one more." Uh, uh, Jethro adds, "The input and output are sealed from the internal body. That's why intestines are used for sausage skins. They are not permeable." Yes, like most folks, my parents had me vaccinated when I was a bairn. And Jock, I think, rightly says, "Yay, Jock wins TNT chat." I think I have to give that one to you, Jock. You do win on points. Uh, last word to you on this one, Gemma. Uh, I'm just blown away by that comment. Actually, I love it. I think that's really, really brilliant for a Wednesday. You know, I like to get a bit deep and philosophical at the best of times but Wednesday seems to be the day where I go a bit weird so I'm going to nick that quote and I'm going to use it myself uh, moving forward thank you very very much yeah it, it is and you're missing out if you don't follow the chat it's not always complimentary to me uh, or to what we're discussing that doesn't matter it's about you having free speech and if uh, you are here at TNT Radio, probably are able to think for yourself. Uh, certainly, our uh, our guests in the in the chat, uh, a chat room open to the whole world, to all eight billion human beings, uh, is a place you can speak freely. We don't curate it, we don't censor it. You you exercise common sense. You don't say things which are overtly illegal. Uh, Gemma's very interesting points there. What do you make of that? Would you have your children vaccinated for a disease which causes spots which go away? and stops you from getting shingles later. Would you get vaccinated for something which actually helps you be healthier later? That's how nature works. Let me know. Coming up uh, in a short while, we're going to talk about another kind of fundamentalism, not health fundamentalism, but climate fundamentalism. All that with me, Lemon Opic, here on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Jeremy Now. We won't get into the politics too much, but I do enjoy your position, and that is, I'm American, America first. Yeah, that's right. America first. I don't, I don't care about Hamas. I don't care about Israel. If fighting over a patch of sand that I don't care about in a place that I don't care about and it's two people groups that I don't care about it has nothing to do with us and that has nothing to do with ethnocentrism it, that just has to do with the fact that if you're in a nation your loyalty should always go with the nation first I, I don't even know how you would run a nation that didn't operate that way mm. and you've spoken about that hierarchy before uh, it's a God family nation that's right God family nation it has to be as part of the intrinsic hierarchy of reality, you're going to start with God and then family and then nation in that order. It, I don't even think it works any other way, to be honest with you. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk TNT Radio. God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the Church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40 California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a $1,000 a day fine. Government stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. 
when I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2%, you know, 99.8% survival, rather than the 3 or 4% mortality that the, the people were saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot it helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. <laughs> when the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. And you have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them. This is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. Morticians are reporting that vaccine deaths show thick, fibrous clots that don't easily degrade. Stop the jab and save lives. The COVID vaccine does not work. On air 24-7. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Greetings, one and all. 26 minutes past seven in the morning in the United Kingdom. If you've just joined us, thank you for starting with great points of view real facts and an opportunity to express yours too. Go to tntradio.live. Uh, You'll find the chat is alive and kicking, not least thanks to Jethro's incendiary comment about whether human beings are a sealed unit or not. Josh, um, Jock has certainly won an intermediate victory there, but the debate continues. Uh, on terms of the, the uh, chickenpox vaccine, Josh says, you definitely don't want chickenpox as an adult. Make sure to catch it as a child. I happen to agree with you, Josh. I think you're right. That's what I did. we did with our children, inadvertently, I have to say. Uh, Jethro, back to the sealed unit question. The pores do not go deeper than the epidermis. Boy, this is getting technical. Uh, Josh adds, uh, I had the pox at 27 and nearly died. So bad blisters all over the body, including throat. Three weeks off work, bathed in chamomile, sorry, calomine lotion daily. And Jock adds, um, about i gave it to my mum he says about chicken pox it was a week of itching when i had it as a kid i survived it but it wasn't pleasant and just uh one more tolly says have we talked to into keeping lembert on for another hour yet oh well thank you thank you holly <laughs> that's kind of you katie hopkins might have something to say about that but there we go and uh as an adult josh adds it's uh it's way worse uh jock uh that debate keeps on going uh do please keep your calls and comments coming uh, i can see and i do actually take heed of of what you want to talk about in the chat because i try to get guests to discuss it so note to self and note to gallery let's see if we can get some uh expert on 
chickenpox onto the show so that we can actually continue this further and perhaps a medic to talk about whether they consider the human body to be a sealed unit or not uh, a rich seam and that's uh, the wonderful thing about you interacting with us here at tnt radio we can serve you with subjects which you might not get served anywhere else in the media and you get the chance to have a dialogue too uh, so note to self and note to team let's get someone on chickenpox let's get someone on the sealed nature of the human body and how do uh, natural uh, immune, uh, immunizations actually work fascinating stuff let's move on to another subject which we often return to here which is climate fundamentalism uh, has it taken over where remoning the remain versus brexit debate left off joining us now it's alan cook a reform uk candidate uh, for a part of london called bromley and biggin hill and for bexley and bromley london assembly so he's politically active for reform uk which came out of the brexit side of the political sphere in the united kingdom good morning alan cook great to see you up so early i didn't think of you as an early bird really Good morning, Lembert. And uh, I am not an early bird, but however, with the, the kids and the school run, I have to be up at this time anyway. Uh, but I'm normally, uh, you know, just carrying a cup of coffee around, shouting at the children, not uh, talking to you. Yes, uh, euphemistically, uh, it was described to me as an hour of pleasure in exchange for a lifetime of insomnia. But we're not discussing that now. Um, so, well, an hour. <laughs> <laughs> moving swiftly on we've already been talking about the cheeky girls which only makes sense to a certain age group in the united kingdom uh, if you're living um, abroad and you want to know what the cheeky girls are just just look at it online please i think it's google touch my bum isn't it but uh, <laughs> <laughs> not the direction i was intending to go where i was meant intending well, I, to I can, touch I, can, I, can, I can stitch up your last two uh questions you know human beings we are quite leaky so not sealed. Okay. Uh, chicken pox, yeah, definitely get it as a kid. My only question would be, does the vaccine give you a better immunity against shingles later in life? Because I've had, uh, no, I haven't had it, but I've seen people who've had shingles and it's awful. It's not good at all. Much worse than chicken pox. So uh, I think you get a certain uh, a new, uh, proper immunity response from the actual virus to shingles, but I don't know about the vaccine. What we'll do, we'll talk about climate fundamentals in just a moment after the break, yeah. but I want to ask you this question then. As somebody who's experienced chicken pox, and as someone with children, would you let your children, I know it's a sample of one, this isn't statistically significant, but what would you say to the government if it said you have to give your child a vaccine for chicken pox at the age of one? Oh, one is a bit young. We uh, we split. We didn't do the the standard UK vaccine where, you know, they have the five in one and the three in one and the seven in one. I think they're doing now, which can potentially I, you know, I'm not a professional in this field, but we didn't want to overload uh, the children's immune system. So what we did is actually give them the individual vaccines. It was bloody expensive if i can say that word this time in the morning yeah. and we had to go to a, a clinic once a month to have the individual ones given to them but uh you know if, if you can afford it, it it gives you that extra little peace of mind uh so adding another one into the fold the chicken pox no uh, because it doesn't really harm children uh, and odds on actually historically they would get it at some point mm. but if everyone's getting vaccinated then they will no longer be exposed to it later on in childhood so it probably means you will get to adulthood without having it 
and how good's the vaccine? Does it last that long? You know, it just uh, it, it, I can answer your question with about ten more. So don't, don't do that. I, I, I would point out two. I would point out two but, things, Alan. You have absolutely no medical qualification for pontificating absolutely. about this subject. And the second thing is, when you said, "Is this uh, is it acceptable to use that language at this time in the morning?" That is so imperialistic of you. So imperialistic, as if only Britain's time counts. Stay there. Be admonished. Australians will be shouting at the radio at the moment. If you had a globe, which way up would it be? I mean, you know, the Australians would probably prefer it to be the other way up. You know, there's no base point in space. Why is the globe always positioned with Australia underneath? But you're the one who you said know. that if you said if, if this time in the morning, that's the point. We're not in a flat world. It's not morning in Australia. Wait there. Wait there. We'll come back to Alan in a minute. We'll talk about climate fundamentalism. This is Lemotopic on TNT Radio. I have some even more exciting news. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. California's governor has come under fire after admitting the streets of San Francisco were only cleaned up to impress world leaders attending this week's APEC summit. US forces in Syria have come under attack another four times in the past 24 hours. And the Secret Service has released photos of the bag of cocaine that was found inside the White House four months after the shock discovery. Do you have an upcoming community event, rally, march, festival or fundraiser that could do with some free publicity? TNT Radio wants to promote it for you. Simply visit the What's On Events calendar on the TNT Radio website and submit your event details and we'll get the word out, helping you make a difference on TNT Radio. 5:33 p.m. in Sydney just for the uh, in Brisbane for the avoidance of that 6:33 p.m. in Sydney and 7:33 a.m. in Alan's little abode in central London. Alan, you're still with us, Alan Cook from Reform UK. We were talking about medicine, which you're not really qualified to debate about, nor am I, to Absolutely be honest with you. Absolutely not. But Don't you are more qualified to talk about climate fundamentalism. And uh, what I wanted to ask you was this. It comes from an interesting dialogue that's been hap- happening in the media, actually, in the UK. Uh, is it the case that climate fundamentalism has taken over from the Brexit Remain fundamentalism, if you like, particularly on the Remain side? Uh, or is that unfair to both? No, uh just this week that was it's very much uh, cemented to me that uh, this is where we are now you know previously you could go down the pub have a pint with your friend who was a, a rampant lefty and you know if you were on the, the right of the political spectrum and you could have a political conversation all night over a pint or six and then go home friends what happened with brexit was uh it became very emotional and people didn't really discuss things. They ended up shouting at each other or, or leaving the conversation or you know, shouting expletives at people and leaving the conversation. So it suddenly became emotive, but people weren't really actually having the facts to discuss it. It was all uh, emotional. You know, you're, you're removing my freedoms. You're taking things away from my children. They didn't understand what it was. They thought you were taking away, but they just knew you were taking something away from their children. And the people on the other side of the argument said, well, you're putting my children into a situation we don't want them to be in. And, and so it just became very emotive. And that is what I'm seeing now. Uh, I was in the Commons two nights ago, the House of Commons, and I was actually in there for the all-party parliamentary group on artificial intelligence and how it's going to affect healthcare and telehealth in the future. 
Uh, and that, that is about the limit of my involvement in health, I must admit. But uh, on the way out, there, there was a parliamentary wine tasting. Now, I either did or didn't gate crash this. I'll leave you to decide what actually happened there. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, so there I was, uh, enjoying some lovely uh, New Zealand wines. And uh, there, there are some really good ones. I'm, I'm not a fan of the New World Souvenirs. But uh, the Sydney Blancs. But uh, once you stick it in a bit of oak and age it for a while, actually they come around to me. But uh, so I had a good night there. There's a lot of parliamentary aides, and they, they tend to be mid twenty something, yeah, girls and boys. And so I was having a chat to them uh, over politics because I, I explained that I'm a parliamentary candidate, and uh, so we had some of the people there across party. So they support, uh, look after you know people from uh, maybe. Labour and the Conservatives, and some were just single party. And uh, I was chatting to this lady, and uh, we got on to net zero and my objection to it, not just because it's, you know, it's not mandated, it, it, it's not a democratic process that has been used to actually implement it. And, and you can see her, her eyes were starting to, to water. And I'm thinking, it's a bit odd. And then her voice starts to quiver a bit and eventually just shouts at me, don't you have children? Uh, as in my opinion, my research that I've done on net zero is going to end up something bad happening to my children. And everything I do in politics is for the opposite reason. So something good will happen in the future or things will stay the same when we know they're good for my children. And then, and then she walked off. So, you know, I, I couldn't even get her. Actually, before she did that, and this is when she was starting to wobble, I, I said to her, what's your you know, least favourite greenhouse gas? Because you can weed people out then and actually find out what their concerns are or where their ideology is. And she said methane. So instantly you pretty much know, ah, vegan. So, uh, and, and the methane is just there to uh, impose their ideology, don't eat meat, onto people. You know, methane is... It's produced naturally in swamps and things around the planet. It's produced in agriculture, you know, the cows burping, and it's also produced in industry. And it's 558 million tonnes of methane produced every year. But methane actually breaks down in the atmosphere. So every year, 548 million tonnes is naturally broken down. So that leaves us with 2% increase. So if we just reduce the world's output of methane by 2%, then... Basically, we're in net decline. Everything's fine. You can carry on eating your burgers and eating your steaks. So anyway, so she's obviously quite happy that net zero is there and it's there in an undemocratic way because, you know, Theresa May pushed the uh, extension from 80 percent up to 100 percent of uh, the CO2 reduction when she pushed the modification to the climate bill through, which went through without a vote in parliament it was just nodded through it went this is really really unusual went through uncosted so that never normally happens but the reason they didn't cost it is because you can't cost it because the technology required to get to net zero doesn't exist yet so they're, they're doing this on a wing on a prayer without anyone voting for it without it being on anyone's mandate so we, we are in a very, very odd place. And it's the biggest expense this country will ever see. And it's 50 times the war debt at the lower estimates. So we are going into a very bad place with this. Uh, but um, it fitted her ideology, so she supports it. Without uh, the facts. So 
first of all, if those figures are right, and I I don't know the methane figures as well as I know CO two, but with with uh, CO two, the total carbon budget is something like eight hundred thousand million tons a year. Eight, eight um, I think it's eight hundred gigatons a year, uh, which is almost a trillion tons going in and out. Ten yeah. million tons isn't very much for a net change. Uh, but oh, yeah. what you've described to me is interesting because I had a similar experience two weeks ago. I was out with some parents of other children, and inevitably I ended up talking about the climate crisis and asking them views, and they roll their eyes, and then they look around the table to see if there's somewhere else they can sit. I changed the subject. <laughs> I gave in. I Are you sure it was your conversation, Lendit? Anyway, that's uh, an awkward silence. No, that's a deliberate <laughs> awkward silence for the radio to make you feel it with an apology. Yeah, okay. Let's. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? That's the right but use of I, that phrase. We'll drop that. Can I pick you up on something you just said, though? No, go on. You said the carbon budget, and that's very telling because you know it's it's a budget which. Uh, right. Uh, just uh, I didn't deliberately silence Alan. I think he silenced himself because of his guilt there. Uh, sorry about the short, short silence there. Um, Alan, uh, you, you, you've, I think you've muted yourself. You've silenced yourself there. Uh, what we're doing is talking with Alan uh, just about the carbon budget, just while he is unable to respond. Let me just tell you this. Uh, Alan is talking about the carbon budget. I use that phrase in a natural context, the the world has what you might call a carbon budget. Perhaps the word budget is charged. And so for that reason, perhaps I shouldn't use it. Uh, what I mean is that uh, nature generates, this isn't exactly right, but about 800,000 million tons of CO2 every year. Human beings create, create about 40,000 million tons of CO2 every year. So it, it's a few percent of the total, and most of it's absorbed. Uh, and uh, I'm very interested to know your view. I think uh, I think that might be it from Alan, actually, uh, at the moment. We didn't cut him off, by the way. We do not censor people. We don't cancel people here. I think he's uh, just basically uh, uh, got a couple of issues there. I want to know what you think, though. Do you feel that uh, we've now got a climate fundamentalism environment where you don't really have the opportunity to talk about it because you get silenced as soon as you start debating the subject. Uh, we'll go to a break in a minute, but I just want to read you a couple of messages here. Uh, one is um, uh, that uh, one is that uh, Madrid says, my 13-year-old daughter had a test last week, and one of the questions was, how much do you agree that CO2 affects the climate? Uh, that's an interesting uh, thing. Madrid says, her answer, I totally disagree that CO2 affects the climate. The climate affects the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere, and the current level of CO2 is 0.04%, and if it drops to 0.02%, plant life dies. She's got a score of one out of nine. Madrid, that teacher needs training, because your daughter at 13 knows more than the teacher about nature. Uh, you can tell your daughter I Lembert over here on TNT Radio absolute, absolutely salute her understanding of science. And I'm absolutely appalled by the fact that a teacher will punish her for being right. That is politics in the classroom, and I abhor it. Uh, so please do tell her that she's right. Do not be cowed by the rubbish. Uh, right, uh, we're going to come back in a short while, talk about British politics. Uh, thanks to Alan Cook there. A rather sudden departure, but there we go. These things sometimes happen. Keep your calls and comments coming. I'll get as many of them onto the show as I can. This is Len Topic. This is TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Well, another big climate meeting is coming up. This one is, what, COP28? And apparently its report is a real doozy. 
I can only imagine. But here's the crazy question. If it's COP28, is the planet in better shape as far as oh, growing food economically overall than it was 28 years ago or whenever the first one was? So what is all the panic about? Here in the United States, the Weather Channel, I don't know why they're calling themselves the Weather Channel anymore, just call yourself the Global Warming Channel, is explaining that things are really getting out of control here in the United States. So naturally, I put on the map of where all the weather stations are around the world, and they're currently 0.16 Fahrenheit above normal. The United States has had no significant heating in the last 25 years, and yet we hear that we are warming up 60% faster than everyone else. Now, where the heck does that come from, given the bulk of the warming? is up in the Arctic. But this is the kind of stuff you're getting. And the problem is that the population is simply being bombarded with it in a consistent fashion and there's very low resistance. So what's the moral of the story? Well, I've always told you I have deep spiritual roots and a deep belief in God. And every night I thank God for TNT and him letting me be the climate and weather watchdog. This is meteorologist Joe Bastardi, TNT's Climate and Weather Watchdog, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out, because only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear, because I'm grilling up dinner. <laughs> do you get it? Yes, good job. So, what should I do with all these coals? Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container, because those embers can start a wildfire. I understand. The stakes are high. Ha, 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 ha. See, Smokey thinks I'm funny. Limbit Opic. This is the Limbit Opic Show on today's News Talk TNT Radio. With you for another quarter of an hour. It's uh, quarter to eight or so in the UK. I think I got this right now. It's quarter to 7 p.m. in Sydney and quarter to six in Brisbane. I will write, I will get, I'm going to get four clocks and put them on the wall here in the studio so that I always get that right. Uh, just want to go back to what happened to Madrid's child who was given one out of nine for saying that, that the child doubted uh, that human generated CO2 was wrecking the climate. Uh, Madrid says, I called the school yesterday. Jock adds, mocking a kid down for having the courage to speak against the current uh, zeitgeist. It's shameful. Well, it really is. I thought that schools were meant to teach people to think, not people to conform. I have to say that I think that whichever teacher did that to your child, Madrid, is a disc behaved disgracefully. Uh, I'm more than happy, even not for the sake of the show, but the sake of justice, to contact the school as well and say that somebody who knows quite a lot about it, who studied climatology for over 40 years now, it's absolutely appalling that they, they're filling their children's minds with rubbish. So, Madrid, if you want to, then I'm happy to follow that up. Uh, you're listening to Lembidopic here uh, in the UK. Uh, you've got just under a quarter of an hour of me. I want to go back to another British story here, but it could be interesting to people all over the world because it's a case study in how politics works. Uh, the Labour Party in the United Kingdom uh, proposed a fiscal lock amendment for a certain kind of economic review which has been taking place. And uh, it's been challenged uh, by the government. And in fact, when it was put to vote, it failed. What does this mean? Does it make sense? Why did Labour put it forward? Is it just another political ruse to further drive down an already beleaguered Conservative government in the UK? Joining us now uh, is a man who leads uh, 
council in the UK in the southeast of England, Medway Council, quite a big one, actually. Uh, it's councillor uh, Vince uh, Maple, uh, who joins us now. He's been a councillor for uh, 16 years, in fact. Uh, welcome to the show, uh, Vince. Nice to see you again. Uh, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, as appropriate around the world. Lembit, always great to join you on your show. Much better than Alan Cook, who simply assumed it was morning everywhere. So you've started well. <laughs> but is the sun rising on Labour's economic policies? What were you proposing as a party in terms of this fiscal lock? What's it mean in lay terms? Well, in really simple terms, again, obviously, listeners, particularly viewers in the UK, but actually around the world would have seen uh, the economic mess uh, that Liz Truss brought forward in her mini budget. Thank goodness it was only mini and not full sized budget. Who knows the damage she could have caused. Uh, and one of the things that was very clear from that and, and came out over the following weeks is that um you know independent advice and guidance uh from the office of budget responsibility or obr as lots of people refer to it as uh, was not published um ahead of that uh, important set of decisions so this proposal would have locked in any governments uh you know whether it's labor conservative whoever may be running the country uh, a responsibility uh, to allow the fiscal watchdog, the OBR, to uh, publish an independent forecast of what will happen uh, if that change happens. Now, of course, why that's particularly important is um, lots of people after the event with Liz Trust's mini budget went, well, we told you this was going to cause absolute havoc and anarchy to the financial situation here in the UK. And actually, from that perspective, the ability to say, uh, well, here's an independent view, and this is what, you know, trusted independent view, this is what we believe, uh, you know, that, that means that politicians, ultimately, politicians take the decision. That is um, uh, very clear. And, and this wasn't stepping away from this. This is not bureaucrats making decisions. These are, you know, trusted professionals giving a, a proper full advice and guidance and publishing it publicly. Um, the government voted that down, which in simple terms means if this trust gets hold of the wheels of power again, and who knows, frankly, with the current Conservative government, you know, we could have another Prime Minister before the end of this interview. Um, so yeah, the fact that they've chosen to not do that I think is a pretty poor set of circumstances. And just when I speak to people on the doorstep, uh, there are lots of former Conservative voters who say we don't trust them on the economy anymore. So we've, we've said, and this is why it's put forward by Rachel Reeves, our Shadow Chancellor, you know, this would give uh, residents uh, of the UK confidence uh, that independent ind individuals are looking at this. The Institute for Government has said uh, this change would, again, they're independent of any political party. They're not politically aligned at all. It would improve how fiscal policy is made and would ensure that Liz Trust's mini budget could not happen again. And that's what was well, voted down yesterday in Parliament. OK, so so in, in really simple terms, what you're saying is the proposal put forward by Labour, you claim, would mean that people could see the economic implications of any budget proposal before they vote yes, for it. it. In very simple terms. Now, of course, um, what that doesn't do is mean that um, 
the government of the day will necessarily heed that advice. That's up to them. That's a matter for them. Um, but if if you've got someone like the OBR going, this is going to mean that people's mortgages are likely to raise by hundreds of pounds a month, uh, and that's been published, it's going to make it far more, I believe, it will make it far more challenging to take such a decision as the one that Liz Trust did last year. So this is, this is, a, this is a direct result. I mean, we've been talking about this, uh, as a party for a little while now what's the point of the office of budget responsibility if it can't give views and opinions publicly but actually i think last year's budget mini budget just really shows very explicitly why this public publishing of such advice would be um i think critical really uh this means that presumably the labor party will introduce this change if you form a government at the next election Yes, yeah, so so I was really pleased to be at um, party conference uh, in Liverpool this year, where Rachel Reeves, as part of her outstanding speech, I have to say, made this very clear that we would do this. And what was interesting at the end of her speech, nobody knew in the in the conference hall this was going to happen. But Mark Carney, former governor of the Bank of England, said it was time for Rachel Reeves to be chancellor. And that's a pretty big endorsement. Uh, whatever your political views, I think most people think that Mark Carney did a good job as governor of the Bank of England. Not everybody will, of course, there'll be views to the contrary. But for me, that's a very helpful, powerful uh, public endorsement. And part of that will be around, again, this transparency of of process. I'm going to go into a bit of depth here. So stay with it if you're not in the UK. One person who doesn't agree with Mark Carney is Mervyn King often regarded as the greatest uh, head of the Bank of England that they ever had. Uh, he certainly thinks that Mark Carney's wrong to go on about climate change and and uh, the Bank of England's involvement. But if you introduce the policy that you're saying, Vince, then everybody will have to be able to see the financial implications of net zero. That's not going to work out very well when your leader wants net zero and a lot of commentators think it'll cost trillions. Look, it'll be for politicians to ultimately make those decisions. But it's, again, you, I don't want to start with six minutes of your show left, uh, uh, a situation which may cause a lot of calls and texts. But I, I would have, you know, if this legislation had been in 10 years ago, I would have expected the budget of office responsibility to give us a independent view of the impact if we had both voted to leave or remain the European Union. Now, that debate's gone, but actually having those things for those big, those big political decisions, which go actually far beyond just finance, uh, which both of both the, the comments and commentary around uh, net zero and again, the comments and commentary around the, the EU referendum, they're much bigger than finance alone, but actually having that fiscal aspect, I think would be really important. And yeah, sometimes, uh, probably the OBR will say stuff that I'll disagree with, but that's okay because they are independent. They're not a Labour thing. They're not a Conservative thing. They are independent. And if, they're, if their view as independent fiscal analysis experts is that something will do X, then the, I think it would be irresponsible for, of any politician not to listen to that. But there'll be differences so, of views. So with lots of these issues, there'll be differences of views, of course. So, so just using this example, I, I don't want to obsess about the climate with you today because there's other things to talk about. But if the OBR said, well, 
Prime Minister Starmer, if you do proceed with your net zero agenda, uh, that's going to cost two trillion. If you insist on uh, getting rid of petrol and diesel vehicles by 2030, it'll cost 800,000 million. Would you expect the Prime Minister to change policy on the basis of the OBR's input or not? I think on something like net zero or, you know, equally, um, there'll be other political issues where, you know, of course, the, the mini budget was the financial plan for the government. So that is the OBR talking explicitly in if it had been accepted as a process, the OBR talking about the finances of the 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 government, the finances of the country. There will be a number of issues, net zero being one, where, of course, um there will be financial implications potentially um but it'll be a judgment you know and actually that's again where i think this process is important to have that transparency um to say actually that these are the you know the the impacts both positive and negative i'd expect some of these things to have a level of nuance so um there'll be some jobs which cease to exist because of net zero but there'll be some jobs which are created because of net well, zero right. and it's about trying to just again have that independent information from a financial perspective which is what the conservatives voted down yesterday in parliament you, you and i've both been in the business long enough to know that i'm not going to corner you and make you commit a future prime minister to something that uh, could cause trouble last question for you though and just a very brief answer David Cameron's back. Is that good or bad for Labour? I I think it just showed you know, Rishi Sunak stood up at his conference and said we're the party of change and talked about failed status quos. He's brought part of the in his commentary the failed status quo back into one of the great offices of state. They're out of ideas and and like this show in two minutes, the Conservative government are out of time. Thank you so much. So are we. Uh, we're going to get you back for a lot longer. Uh, I really want to push you on the level of commitment that uh, your party will be making to net zero. Uh, that is uh, Vince Maple, leader of a council, Medway Council in England. Uh, thank you so much for your time. I've got lots of uh, messages here. Just going to go through these very quickly. Uh, uh, you may hear that Madrid's uh, uh, child was given one out of nine for saying that CO2 generated by humans wasn't wrecking the climate. Uh, Mazzi says, observations, in my opinion, the school has an idea, had to, no idea where family sits with this and school's ethos for or against. Plus, I hate the psychological encroachment on family entering your house uh, through whatever means possible. Madrid says, I spoke with the teacher and said, I think you have made a mistake. And I said her answer was 100% fact and true. I wonder what the reply was to that. Jethro says, I think you're on the money there, Maz. Dodd says, schools have been hijacked, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm afraid you're right on that one. Madrid says, Middlewich High School. Okay, I will give Middlewich High School a call. Uh, and I just need to know your daughter's name in that case. Uh, not sure if you want to put that into the chat, or maybe we can find some other way. Jock says, Lembert says he studied climatology for 40 years. Yes, I've got a qualification. I'm going to get one, though, because it's about time I did. Uh, I had my first thing published on the subject in 1980 when I was 15. And uh, so many more. I'm out of time. Thank you. Keep the chat going. Uh, I'm going to be with you again at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. Thank you to everybody who's been involved in the debate. Thanks to the gallery. Thanks to the team who put it all together. Looking forward for more facts, views and debate with you tomorrow morning. 0600. Don't be late. This is Lembotopic and this is the home of free speech, also known as TNT Radio. <laughs> <laughs>